It's a crazy time in the Thomas household. Uh, our oldest daughter, Emily Catherine, uh, is planning for her wedding. She's marrying this wonderful young man named Brady. Uh, and Brady and Emily Catherine get married August the 8th. So we're right smack dab in the middle of planning a wedding uh, while COVID is still uh, spreading its icy tentacles around our plans. Uh, it's, it's a crazy time. We're excited about Emily Catherine and Brady getting married. Uh, it's a great day today because today, July the 12th, 1991, my wife, Edie Thomas, said I do. And uh, we have been married for 29 years. And I got to tell you, there is nothing that I have done to deserve the beauty of God's grace in my life by giving me Edie Thomas as my wife. There is nothing that I have done that deserves that kind of gift of grace from God and from her. Uh, she... Uh, has walked with me through the ugliest parts of my days, the ugliest parts of my life, and she has been a support, a strength. She's been my corrector uh, when I need it. Uh, she is the love that uh, I've desperately needed in my life, uh, and I'm so thankful for her. And I pray that Brady and Emily Catherine, as they embark upon this wonderful journey of marriage together, will have uh, that same kind of commitment and faithfulness uh, that my wife has displayed in our marriage. I pray that they would find that, that uh, stuff uh, that God gives us to walk through the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the good days and the not-so-good days, uh, and still press on uh, for uh, His glory and for uh, the joy of the relationship that God has given them as husband and wife. But one of the things that Edie and I would definitely tell Brady and Emily Catherine, just as we told uh, Elizabeth, our daughter, and her husband, Will, is this idea that somehow your husband or your wife is going to make your life whole is mistaken. Any more than for a married couple to believe that if they could just have a baby, then their life would be whole. That's mistaken. It's, it, there's nothing true about those ideas. I, I know that it's, it, it's a, a famous idea, certainly uh, displayed in romantic comedies or, or romantic dramas on television or on the silver screen. This idea that if I could just find the right person, then my life would be fulfilled. 1996, there was a movie called Jerry Maguire, and it really traces the journey of this sports agent, Jerry Maguire, as he seeks to find really meaning in his work and ultimately in his life. And as he's made his journey professionally, uh, he has discovered uh, steps to be satisfied in his profession, at least in the short term. Uh, but at the end of the movie, there's this iconic scene where Jerry Maguire stands before his love interest, Renee Zellweger, and as he's in this room and, and he's come to himself and he's discovered the secret to his fulfillment, he says to Renee Zellweger, I love you, and then these words, you 
complete me. I understand what he was saying, and, and certainly some people swooned in 1996 when he made those statements, and, and, and the whole um, turnaround was uh, marvelous for a mythic story, but there is no truth to that idea. There is not a spouse, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a best friend that can make you whole. That's a myth. We're not equipped for that. Edie and I will be the first to tell Brady and Emily Catherine, don't look to each other to make yourself whole. Don't think that your husband is there to make you whole, to complete you. Don't think that your wife is there to make you whole or complete you. It just doesn't work that way. We're not built for that kind of, of assignment. But the good news is that we can be made whole. We can find fulfillment in this life, but it's only found in one source, and that is the person of Jesus. In fact, I've got to tell you, here's good news for you and me today. God wants you to live a fully human life. He wants you to find your truest self. He desires for you to, to be fully satisfied. He wants you to walk in the completeness and the wholeness of life. He wants you to experience a blessed, full life. But the way to get that blessed, full life, there's only one way. It's through Jesus. That's what Paul was getting at in Colossians chapter 2, um, beginning in verse 6. He's talking to us about how that we can live in the fullness of life. Listen to what he writes, beginning in verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. He says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Verse 8, Beware lest anyone take you captive or cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9 and 10. For in him, in Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. The term complete there is the term pleroma, and it means you are full. You are full upon full. You are satisfied. You are made whole in him. Friends, you and I, we long to find our true self. All of us do. This is a search that we all are on. We long to find fulfillment in life. And there are a lot of ideas in the world today and have been from the very beginning of time, ideas that would promise to give you fulfillment, but ultimately they cheat you of fulfillment. They, they, they hold you captive to an idea that could never, ever satisfy 
Now, this is as old as the beginning of time from Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent in the Garden of Eden went to Adam and Eve and said, if you will just eat of this fruit of this tree, I know God told you not to do it, but if you'll go ahead and do it, then you will be as wise and as good and as great as God. It's that idea that somehow there's something other than an obedient relationship with God that can satisfy our soul. It's, it's something that, that we've seen time after time, year after year. And it's not necessarily something that you learn in school. I know that, that, that we have this idea of philosophy and school is bad. Well, uh, Paul's not talking about just some philosophy. He's talking about a philosophy where Jesus Christ is diminished, where he's denigrated, where, the, where he's ignored. It, it's the idea that there is something bigger than Jesus that can satisfy me. All right, you and I know, uh, if you know me, you know that, that I would prefer chocolate chip ice cream over Brussels sprouts. It's just that simple. I, 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 that, it's not even a competition. Chocolate chip ice cream, Brussels sprout, chocolate chip ice cream. But if I went to the doctor and the doctor said, Eric, you've got to cut out chocolate chip ice cream and you need to increase the diet of Brussels sprouts. There is some uh, deficiencies in your health. And the only way that you can remain healthy is to let go of chocolate chip ice cream and start eating Brussels sprouts. If that make-believe story ever came true, I would weep and I would mourn the loss of my ice cream, but I would start eating Brussels sprouts, and I would give up my ice cream. Why? Because that's the way to health. That's the way to growth. That's the way to be satisfied physically. Well, when it comes to our everyday life, what Paul does in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10, he says, I want you to understand that as a follower of Jesus, as a person, you can be complete. You can live a fully human life. You can be satisfied and fulfilled. Now, when we have Jesus, Paul says, we have everything that we need when Jesus is the center of our universe. And so he lays out for the believers in the church, he says, now here's what needs to happen in your life for you to live in the fullness of life. Here's, here are the steps that we need to take to live in the fullness that Jesus makes available to us. And what I want us to do is I want us to unpack that today. In, in our own journey and in our own life. And I'm not going to touch on every uh, possible application, but I pray that the Spirit of God would take this word and he would apply it to your specific situation so that you would see the steps that you need to take. Well, these steps beginning, let me just say this. If you are not a follower of Jesus, then these steps won't make sense to you because that's the first step. Before any other steps to find a full life, a fully blessed life, to, 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 to be satisfied in life, to, to have fullness in life, if you want that, it, it begins in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not yet embraced Jesus as the king of your life, looking to his death on the cross as payment for your sins so that you might live a forgiven life, looking to his resurrection from the dead as a new life for you, 
If you haven't experienced that wondrous transaction of God's grace where God takes all the crooked in you and makes it straight, covering you with the righteousness of Jesus, if you haven't gone from being dead to being alive, being blind to having sight, being, uh, uh, being lost to being found, if you haven't gotten there yet, if, if that has not happened in you yet, then you have a hole in your soul that nothing's going to fill. Even if you're living your truth, you're still going to be empty inside. The only way for us to experience a satisfied life, a full life, is through faith in Jesus Christ as we enter into God's family. That's, that's what Jesus said. Now, Jesus, I think, looking back to where the devil, the serpent in the Garden of Eden tempted Adam and Eve and said, if you'll just take a bite of this fruit, you will, you, you'll be satisfied. And it led to their disaster. And Jesus, looking back and looking forward, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief, the serpent back in Genesis 3, the thief has come only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Then he says this, but Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Friends, Jesus offers us a fullness of life, but it begins as we repent our sin, place our faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross as forgiveness for our sin, as we yield our lives to God through faith in Christ and that's the beginning step to a satisfied life. And Paul builds on that idea. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're part of God's family, then, then here are the steps that we need in order to live in the fullness that God has given us. You are a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You are a mess. That's, that's been made beautiful by the grace that God has provided in the person of Jesus Christ. You are a son. You are a daughter in the family of God. So today, live what you've received. That's the first step in living in the fullness that God provides. It's to live what you receive. This is verse 6. Look at verse 6. Paul writes, uh, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, what we have here is a picture of belief, our faith, and our behavior, our walk. He says, okay, you've received Jesus. This is what you've believed. You have, you have taken hold of Jesus by faith. You've received Jesus. Now, that belief must influence your behavior. It has to change the way you live. Look, learning without living isn't learning. It's just information. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is not informational alone. It is transformational. It has to change the way we live, the way we think, the way we move, the way we act. Can you imagine a husband and wife getting married and then acting as if they were still single? No, of course not. That's insane. That's crazy. You get married to be joined together. In the same way, when we by faith took hold of Jesus, he brought us into God's family. We have been unified, united with Jesus Christ. We've been grafted into God's family, and today we've got to live like it. So if you are a follower of Jesus, 
And there are aspects of your life where you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't really follow Jesus in this part of my life. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I really don't like these commands that God has given over here. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus and how he loves, but I don't really like the rules that Jesus wants me to follow. I, I follow Jesus, but that... Thing that he looks at as sin, I don't really call it sin. I, I, in fact, I don't think that's really relevant to my life today. If at any point you abandon what Jesus says, how Jesus lives, how Jesus would walk for something else, then you are living a dissatisfied life as a follower of Jesus, even if you're living your own truth. The only way for us as followers of Christ and as people to live fully human life, find our true self, is in alignment with who Jesus is. And who is Jesus? Colossians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This is verse 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All creation was made through him and for him. All things hold together by Jesus. He is before all things. He is supreme over everything. Jesus is the Lord. And that's who you received. If you by faith trusted him, you submitted yourself to Jesus as the king of your life. And so when Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, he's saying stop playing by your own rules and start living by the rule of Jesus and find fulfillment there. I can tell you in my own personal experience, any time that I decided to live by my own rules rather than the rule of Jesus in my life, I led to, I, I, was, I, I walked a path that led to disaster. But today, because of God's grace, he has convinced me, and tomorrow he'll convince me again, and the next day he'll convince me again, the way to a satisfied life, the way to live in the fulfillment of, that God makes available to all who by faith come to him through Christ is that I live what I receive. Do you submit to Jesus as the Lord of your life? You received him as your Savior, but do you submit to him as your Lord? And that, that's the Lord over your thoughts. That's the Lord over your mouth. That's the Lord over your attitude. That's the Lord over your politics. It's the Lord over your cultural ideas. It's the Lord over every aspect of our lives. Jesus must be Lord if I'm going to find fulfillment. Live what you received. The second step that we see in this passage is to overflow with gratitude to God for the grace that he's given us. We need to overflow with gratitude to God for the grace that he has given us. Now, gratitude is a great tool to combat uh, false ideas, false teaching, false pursuits. Gratitude to God is a great tool that God gives us to combat those things. Look at verse 7. All right, so verse 6, he says, um, as you have received the Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
So walk in him, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, and here's the phrase, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So what are we supposed to abound in? We're supposed to abound in uh, what God has done for us. We're abounding in this in thanksgiving over how God has brought us into his family. That, that's the picture of rooted. It's, it's what God did uh, when he brought us into his family. He, he covered us with his grace because we placed our faith in Jesus. We saw Jesus' death on the cross as payment for our sin, his resurrection from the dead as a new life for us. And we trusted in Jesus. And in that moment, God grafted us into his family. He he, he rooted us into the vine by which Jesus himself eternally and continually nourishes us with his love and with his grace. And so we have a blessed, full life. We are part of God's family, rooted in Christ Jesus. And that root is something that no circumstance can rip up. We are forever in God's family. So we abound and overflow in thanksgiving. I see negative stuff here, and I see things that aren't working out right here, and I see how I wish things were different here. But I don't focus on those things. I set my gaze upon the fact that I am a son of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm rooted. Not only am I rooted, but I am built up. Now, what that picture is in verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Built up is an ongoing work that God is doing. I've got to tell you, the song that I grew up on uh, when I was a kid, a uh, teenager, uh, it, John Anderson, I think, sang it. He said, and it's a, it's a worn saying, and the song goes, I'm just an old chunk of coal now, Lord. But I'm going to be a diamond someday. Now, that, and that's not how it sounded. It sounded a lot better than that. But what well, is John Anderson? Probably didn't sound a lot better than that. But anyway, that, that's, the, that, that's the picture that we have here. We're being built up. We're not the finished product yet. We're, we're not what we ought to be. But praise God, we're not what we used to be. And we can see what God's making us to be. We're not finished yet, but we're being built up in Christ Jesus. We're, we're being built up as a family, stronger together, loving one another, knits heart together, uh, hearts knit together in love. That's the beginning of Colossians 2. We are being built up in Christ Jesus. The good news is that even though we're not a finished product, God in his grace doesn't give up on us, and I've given him plenty of reasons to give up on me. But God in his grace does not give up. He said, okay, I see, I see where Eric is, is stumbling and fumbling and falling and failing, but, but Eric is my son, so I'm going to pick him up, and I'm going to grow him up. I'm going to build him up in Christ Jesus so that Eric becomes more like Jesus today than he was yesterday. And I give thanks to God that he hasn't given up on me and that he's still working on me by his grace. We are rooted. We are built up. We are established in the faith. Now, that picture of being established, your translation may be uh, being strengthened. Here's the good news for us. God, in his grace, strengthens us 
so that we can grow as followers of Jesus and find greater fulfillment in greater obedience and greater submission to the King of glory, Jesus Christ. God helps us grow strong in the faith and by faith. You know, I, I know that, that so, t- so often uh, we, we look to ourselves for the strength that we need to, uh, to navigate life. But, but here's, here's what, what we need to give thanks for. We give thanks because God wants to give us the strength that we need even in the midst of our weakness. We're weak. We, we don't have strength, but God in His grace becomes strength on our behalf. He becomes our strength. And as He becomes our strength, then we can stand strong and stable, even in the face of different ideas and thoughts and, and perspectives and uh, enticements that might come our way. Today, uh, the good news for us is that we can, uh, we can find fullness in life. We find fullness in life uh, when we live what we've received. We find fullness in life when we live by gratitude in the God who graciously operates in our life, when we overflow in gratitude. You wake up tomorrow morning, you begin with words of praise to God who has rescued you from sin, who's brought you into his family, who's rooted you in his family, who is uh, uh, building you up to become more like Jesus. He's not finished with you yet, and he's not giving up on you, and he is strengthening you today to live the life and walk the steps toward fullness. Well, the the third uh, ingredient or third step that we find in this passage uh, is probably the negative part. Uh, but we need to take a moment and just look at it. I want to summarize it because we'll look at this again as we continue to uh, study Colossians. And even after we finish Colossians, I'm going to start a series called The Absolutes. And, uh, and, and uh, we're going to deal with some of this too. But the third uh, ingredient or step to living in the fullness that God provides is to be on the lookout for destructive doctrines. Now, the destructive doctrines, you've heard me mention it already, you know, in, in, in today's vernacular. And again, it's not new, it's just today's vernacular. People talk about how can I um, uh, find my truest self or how can I uh, live a full life? Um, and, and, and one of the aspects of that is uh, just uh, you uh, live your truth. And, and it's a phrase that's out there. You can Google it, and you'll see all these people talk about, just live your truth. Now, I understand the sentiment, and I'm not, I'm not attacking that sentiment any more than Paul was attacking philosophy itself. He, he's saying, well, it's a teaching. But, but here's what I would say about living your truth. There are dangers in, in that idea. Just the phrase itself, you live your truth. Uh, when you live your truth, the danger is you exalt you as the center of the universe. And whenever you place you at the center of the universe, the most important person there is in your life or in your world, when you are the center of the universe, you are creating a barrier to fulfillment itself because you have pushed the only one who can really complete you, Jesus Christ, to the margin of your life. When you live your truth, the danger is that you exalt the you, But ultimately, 
ultimately, the danger in living your truth is where you diminish, disregard, or just reject outright the absolute truth that God reveals in the person of Jesus Christ and through the Bible. Anytime you exalt your truth and it diminishes the Word of God and the will of God revealed in the person of God through Jesus Christ. Anytime you say, well, uh, I know the Bible over here says that something is sin, but I don't like that. That's not my truth. My truth is that's not really sin. You start going down that road, make no mistake, please make no mistake, you are choosing a path that leads to tragedy. And that's why Paul writes in, in uh, uh, verse 8, he says, Beware lest anyone cheat you or hold you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, what is this philosophy that is empty and deceitful? Well, uh, we don't really know exactly because Paul doesn't take a lot of time to define the teaching itself. But what he describes is a teaching that does not align with the truth that is revealed in the person of Jesus and, uh, and, and the Word of God. It, it's, a, it, it's a teaching that doesn't align with that, the truth of God. And so it's empty of power. <coughs> And it's deceitful because it's promising something that it cannot deliver. I've got to tell you, only Jesus can say and deliver, I will give you a full life. Every other philosophy, every other teaching that promises you a full life where Jesus is not center stage is deceitful. It's hollow. It cannot deliver. This teaching is the product uh, this, this teaching that can be destructive and dangerous and leads to a dead end is the product of mere human speculation. It's earthly, not heavenly. It's temporary, not eternal. Now, that's not the kind of teaching we need in our life. No, we need a teaching. We need a doctrine. We need a faith. We need a way of life that satisfies. And friends... The only way of life that will satisfy is following after Jesus Christ, living what we've received, overflowing in gratitude for what God has done to set us up for a fulfilled life, and by pushing aside and rejecting any teaching where the truth of God is marginalized, and Jesus is at best in the margins. We need to believe. And I know some of you don't yet, but we need to believe that the only way for fulfillment in life is to surrender to Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord every single day. You and I want to be made complete, but we'll only be made complete through Jesus Christ. When we have Jesus, we have everything we need.
I wonder, any of you watching or listening today, if you need Jesus. Now, you need to experience that personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. The Bible tells us that our sin has separated us from God. This is every person's problem. That sin, yours and mine, we, we've been separated from God eternally because of our sin, and we would be stuck in that separation if it weren't for Jesus. Jesus, who declares that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the way to come to the Father. Jesus came, and, and he is fully God, yet he became a man so that he might live a perfect life and go to a cross and die on that cross in the place of a sinner like you and me to take our place on the chopping block of judgment And Jesus paid the price so that we might find forgiveness. He was buried as a dead man, but he rose victorious over death so that you and I could have a new life through faith in him. But some of you watching and listening right now, you find yourself on the other side of the chasm. You have never crossed the bridge and entered into God's family. And today is your day. This is your moment. You see Jesus and you believe right now, he is my only hope for fulfilled life. He is my only hope for forgiveness of my sin. He is my only hope to enter into God's family. And I need Jesus. If that's where you are today, then I invite you to come to Jesus to choose Christ now, to walk across the bridge that Jesus has built through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Walk across that bridge that offers you forgiveness and family with God. Walk across the bridge of Christ's sacrifice and love for you. And right now in your heart of hearts, you know that's what you need to do. If that's who you are, then I invite you to choose Jesus. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be rescued. We can be brought into God's family. John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us, but as many as received Jesus to as many as believed on his name, to them he gave the right to be called his children to be brought into his family. You want family with God? You want forgiveness for sin? Then today, choose Jesus by faith. The Bible tells us that if we turn from our sin and trust in Jesus, if we see that Jesus and his death on the cross is payment for our sin and his resurrection from the dead is our only hope for a life of fulfillment, then today you can be rescued. Romans 10, 13 says, here's what you got to do. you got to call on the name of the Lord by faith. Now, how do you do that? Through prayer. And in prayer right now, if it's the desire of your heart, the yearning of your soul, if you will tell God, A, I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you, O God. B, God, I believe that Jesus 
is your son, that he died for my sin on a cross and that you raised him from the dead to give me a new life. And see, I commit my life to you, O God. I surrender myself to you fully and completely. If you will pray that prayer, the Bible says you can be rescued. Right now, the Spirit of God is working in your heart, and so I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes, wherever you are in whatever room you're in. If you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes. If, if, if this is a commitment that you've already made, pray for those others in your room that they would be ready to make this commitment. Friends, people are looking for fulfillment. This is the first step. If you're ready to pray this prayer, I'm going to lead you in the prayer. There's nothing magical about the words that I say, but if it is the yearning of your heart, the Spirit of God is doing this wonderful transaction of grace, and He's giving you a new life and, and a new heart and a new mind and a, and, and a new everything. This, this is the moment where you're brought into God's family, where you walk across that bridge that Jesus has built through His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Are you ready? Pray this prayer with me. Oh God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you. And God, right now I turn from my sin and I put my trust in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is your son, that you sent him on a rescue mission for me, that he died for my sin to pay the price of my sin upon a cross. And that you raised him from the dead to give me new life. So right now, God, I commit my life to you. I surrender all that I am to you. Thank you, O oh God, for forgiving my sin, for bringing me into your family through faith in Christ. Thank you for giving me a new heart and a new mind and a new life. Thank you for bringing me into your family. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you walked across that bridge that Jesus built through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, if you cross that line of faith today, then I invite you to text Jesus to the number on the screen, or you can email pastor at firstnorfolk.org. And let us know that you made that commitment today so that we can help you in these next steps as a follower of Christ. Friends, God wants you to live a life that is complete in Christ Jesus. The first step is becoming a follower of Christ.